Hello again. Welcome to the Rare Possessions Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Galetti, and with me is Jared Riddick, the archivist from Book of Mormon Central. Happy to be here again. He is the curator of all of the content that we share on this podcast. And how many items are there in the archive now? Do you know? Ooh, shade over 5,100. That is incredible. Yeah, but we have a lot more to go. That's just absolutely incredible to me. And I, I don't know how often or how much people even begin to dig into the archive, but there is a wealth of information in the Book of Mormon Central Archive. And some of these things, like I said, are, are largely unknown to, mm-hmm. to modern Latter-day Saints. And that's partially why we're doing this, is yeah, to help kind of bring, bring it to light. So this article that we're going to go over this week is entitled, Questions and Answers, Were All the Unsealed Records of the Book of Mormon Translated? And I have to be honest, I don't think I ever asked that question before. Near did I. I just assumed it was. I think the novelty of the question is part of the reason that Elder Cowley, uh, who was at the Quorum of the Twelve, uh, chose to answer it. Yeah, so this was by Matthias F. Cowley, and it was printed in March of 1902. What do we What do we know about him? He's got a little bit of an interesting history. You should mention Elder Cowley. He does have an interesting history. Um, Elder Cowley was in the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles uh, from 1897 until he was removed from the Quorum. Removed or resigned, it's been said both ways, it's right? It's been said both ways. I've heard it both ways, to quote Sean Spencer. <laughs> yeah. um, because of his opposition to the church's stance on plural marriage, in this case, Meaning to no, longer, yeah. no longer practicing it. So he was removed from the quorum October 28th of 1905 and had a very unique discipline. There was rumors of his continual practice of new plural marriages, which led to his priesthood being suspended by the church in mid, uh, mid-1911. And that is a very unique form of discipline. You don't hear that very often anymore. And it was because the members of the Quorum of the Twelve themselves were were disagreed about whether to leave him undisciplined, to disfellowship him, to excommunicate him. Uh, they didn't know what to do there. So he was never restored to his position in the Quorum of the Twelve. He passed away, I believe, in, in, the 19, uh, in 1940, in his 80s. So that's a good portion of his life that he continued to be in this sort of limbo state. Uh, and Elder Cowley's son, Matthew Cowley, was also uh, called to the Twelve Apostles. And I believe actually served he was called a little bit after President Kimball and President Benson were called to the Quorum of the Twelve. So, interesting family, interesting guy. But this answers a very specific question again. This question was proposed in the Improvement Era by a stake president. And the question simply is, what is meant by the unsealed portion of the plates of the Book of Mormon being delivered to the angel? The inquirer then adds, is it generally supposed that all the unsealed portions were translated but it seems they were not from a reading of Joseph Smith's history. And so Elder Cowley then goes on to offer his, I'd say he inserts a few pieces of history. He gives a description of the plates from Elder Orson Pratt's works uh, that I'm assuming Orson received from Joseph. Description of the characters, about the Urim and Thummim, the method of translation, and the go through the Anthon transcript, and the fact that the plates were eventually returned to the angel. So this there, there's a few questions that almost kind of arise that, seem to be wanting to clarify assumptions, you know, previously held assumptions. So there are many questions that people might have as a result, and hopefully this article will help answer those. But uh, so the translation itself is still uh, of very clear importance to members of the church today, as evidenced by recent publications on the on the translation itself, the continued great work by Royal Skousen on the critical text of the Book of Mormon Initiative, uh, works by Skousen and Brant Gardner and others about the manner of the translation, also a uh, Michael McKay and Garrett Dirkmott on their book on the translation of the Book of Mormon, and Mike McKay and Nick Frederick on their book on the Keystones. 
on the, the book Joseph Smith's Seerstones, published by Mike McKay and Nick Frederick. There's a lot of work that's been done. So clearly this is a fascinating to- topic to us today. And it was in living memory for them. And so clearly it was still a hot topic then. Yeah. I guess, what would it matter? <laughs> there's a, I don't know that you know, if there was something there's, that was not translated. There's always the fascination with wanting more scripture. I mean, we're obviously not talking about those 116 pages. Yeah, but of of something else we don't have. Right. I believe there was always, always there was a, uh, I remember hearing on my mission about the book of Joseph that was part of the book of Abraham that was translated that oh. we don't have today. And uh, I believe that's an urban legend, misunderstanding. Yeah, that, I hadn't that's, ever heard of it. I believe Cleon Skousen talks about it in his Thousand Years series. Mm. Uh, but I have not read those in about 10 years, so don't quote me on that. <laughs> uh, but there's always this fascination with more scripture. You see all these translations of the 116 pages pop up. Yeah. We've got a couple of them in our library. They are very interesting. Mark Hoffman, during the Hoffman affair, was uh, in the middle of potentially trying to write his own version of the 116 pages that were covered. There's this fascination of the potential for more scripture, which is supported by statements by the Brethren of General Conference that it will come forth. Otter Oaks said that, I believe, in 2006, that more scripture will come forth in our day. And that could be a general conference room where we could start right now. But this will actually <laughs> oh, probably, air, it probably will air after general conference, so we'll cut that. Um, <laughs> I think there's that, that fascination. We we want more. And I think it's and, – and I won't admit that I'm not immune from that fascination. Oh, sure. But, but sometimes I, I think we need to appreciate what we have better before we were able to receive more. Yeah. I don't think that condemnation that President Benson mentioned in 1989 and that the Lord mentions the Doctrine and Covenants has ever fully been lifted not appreciating the new covenant even the book of mormon yeah so this is just a simple little question and answer article in the improvement era from but it fostered a good discussion yeah it did uh elder cowley 1902 march of 1902 again the title of it is questions and answers were all the unsealed records of the book of mormon translated and for that answer stay tuned for a reading of that article Questions and Answers Were All the Unsealed Records of the Book of Mormon Translated by Matthias F. Cowley in the March 1902 Improvement Era? A stake president asked the era the following question, sent to him by a class teacher in his stake. What is meant by the unsealed portion of the plates of the Book of Mormon being delivered to the angel? The inquirer then adds, It is generally supposed that all the unsealed portions were translated, but it seems they were not from a reading of page 73, History of Joseph Smith. The question is answered by Elder Matthias F. Cowley in these quotations and comments. Let us first give a description of the plates as found in Orson Pratt's works. These records were engraved on plates, which had the appearance of gold. Each plate was not far from seven to eight inches in width and length, not being quite as thick as common tin. They were filled on both sides with engravings in Egyptian characters and bound together in a volume as the leaves of a book and fastened at one edge with three rings running through the hole. This volume was something near six inches in thickness, a part of which was sealed. The characters or letters upon the unsealed part were small and beautifully engraved. The whole book exhibited many marks of antiquity in its construction as well as much skill in the art of engraving. With the records was found a curious instrument, called by the ancients the Urim and Thummim, which consisted of two transparent stones, clear as crystal, set in the two rims of a bow. 
This was in use in ancient times by persons called seers. It was an instrument by the use of which they received revelation of things distant, or of things past or future. Respecting the Urim and Thummim, it was also used in the translation of records, and was thus employed by the prophet Joseph Smith in translating the Book of Mormon. The sealed part of the record, the prophet was informed, was not to be translated and published to the world at that time. But if the people who should receive the unsealed portion were faithful to the things contained therein, they should receive, in the due time of the Lord, the contents of the sealed record. The Savior said to the Jews, There is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. After obtaining the plates, Joseph the prophet copied a few characters and sent them by Martin Harris to Professor Anthon, who certified that they were genuine Egyptian. Then he asked Martin Harris to bring him the plates, and he would translate them. When the latter informed him that he could not do that, and that a portion of them were sealed, Professor Anthon answered with a jeer of contempt that he could not read a sealed book, and thus unwittingly the learned man fulfilled the words found in Isaiah chapter 29. After the prophet had translated the unsealed plates and made ready the manuscript of the Book of Mormon, he returned the plates to the librarian and custodian of those sacred records, the angel Moroni. Concerning this, the prophet Joseph writes, At length the time arrived for obtaining the plates, the Urim and Thummim, and the breastplate. On the 22nd day of September, 1827, having gone as usual at the end of another year to the place where they were deposited, the same heavenly messenger delivered them up to me with this charge, that I should be responsible for them, that if I should let them go carelessly, or through any neglect of mine, I should be cut off, but that if I would use all my endeavors to preserve them until he, the messenger, should call for them, they should be protected. I soon found out the reason why I had received such strict charges to keep them safe, and why it was that the messenger had said that when I had done what was required at my hand, he would call for them. For no sooner was it known that I had them, that the most strenuous exertions were used to get them from me. Every stratagem that could be invented was resorted to for that purpose. The persecution became more bitter and severe than before, and multitudes were on the alert continually to get them from me if possible. But by the wisdom of God, they remained safe in my hands until I had accomplished by them what was required at my hand. When according to arrangements the messenger called for them, I delivered them up to him, and he has them in his charge until this day, being the second day of May, 1838. Thus was returned to the angel all the plates, sealed and unsealed, which had been entrusted to the prophet Joseph Smith. No other conclusion than that all the unsealed portions were translated can be drawn from the quotation above referred to. Canon's Life of Joseph Smith. It reads, After the work of translation was ended, Joseph recommitted his charge to the care of the angel of the record, and Moroni received it back into his keeping to bring forth the yet unsealed portions of it only when God shall so decree. It is self-evident that the words, the yet unsealed portions, have reference to the portions that were sealed. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Rare Possessions Podcast. Please tune in each week for another episode that can be found in iTunes or on SoundCloud. Thank you again from Book of Mormon Central.